This episode of the Devin Kershaw Show is brought to you by Boulder Nordic Sport, purveyors of select cross-country gear. For the finicky athlete looking to round out a ski fleet with hand-selected gems, or a beginner seeking advice on learning how to skate ski, the folks at BNS have years of experience racing, coaching, and providing race service. They obsess so you can focus on getting outside. As they say, BNS employs their experience to break down technical barriers so that you can enjoy the sport, whether that means skiing in the park with your dog or trying to make the U.S. ski team. You can find more at bouldernordic.com or their brick and mortar stores in Boulder, Colorado and Portland, Maine. This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to The Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. Okay, a big sigh of relief so far. The FIS Cross Country World Cup made it through the weekend, as far as we know, illness-free in Ruka, Finland. In this jam-packed episode, we run down through the three days of racing that began on Friday with the classic sprints and concluded Sunday with a skate pursuit. We have a lot to unpack including this sidetrack to start the episode. I think we're recording. Uh, okay. Okay. So for starters here, I'm going to throw you a big curveball because I know this yeah. is probably, okay, I'm sure this has been huge news okay, I love it. in Oslo slash Lillehammer. So do you read the New York Times a little bit? I do. I love the New York Times. Okay. So the mystery of of the monolith in the middle of the Utah desert, have you checked that out? I have not, actually. Oh. No. Okay. Oh, God. Tell me about it. So like some Utah Department of Wildlife crew in a helicopter, they were flying over super remote canyon country, and they spotted this like what looks to be maybe like a 15 to 20 foot steel kind of stainless steel monoliths sticking down of, out of the ground. And if and if you weren't if you were sort of keen on alien life, you'd be like, "Oh, this is where they land and suck the life out of the planet." Okay? Okay. It's yeah. it's this cool thing. And so there's been this debate going on, where the hell did it come from? A hypothesis has been this pretty cool artist uh, sculptor who's been passed away for a while, but there's been debate about that. And then I just clicked on the New York Times before I called you. Here's the headline. And, and don't stress, it has nothing to do with aliens, okay? <laughs> it's, it's, well, actually, that's not true. I'm not sure. It says, that mysterious monolith in, U, in the Utah desert, it's gone, officials say. And they don't know who removed it. Anyway, Whoa. I'm going to pique your interest. That is with, weird. Yeah, it's actually, it's cool. It's actually, I think it's kind of a cool, like, human interest story during the pandemic. Okay. Sorry, but, you know, I'm sort of apt to pull you in odd directions, so. I love it. Yeah, that, that is an odd direction, but I, man, now you've really piqued my interest after we get off this interview. You know, I'm always looking for, for ways to procrastinate with my studies. So this is, oh, this, this is, is just, this is perfect. This is a perfect wormhole to just pretend I'm studying, but instead read New York Times articles for hours. Okay. Well, I, I would say it's probably going to take an hour if you start it for it to have its, it's like the cool impact. I, I, in my perception, start at the beginning. Don't start with today's. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. So just kind yeah, of go of along. Yeah. So it, it's, it's pretty cool. Anyway. Um, 
So, segueing into following the story, <laughs> so uh, we 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 um <laughs> the monolith that is the World Cup of skiing almost had a humongous hit before the weekend even started with a fake positive corona test for Nossum, the head coach of the Norwegian men's team. I don't know if you read that one. Yeah, I, I, you know, I did read it and I ended up not reporting on it because I was like, okay, it's a fake positive and we have all these positives going on on the IBU World Cup that I just was like, I'm not touching that right now. So No, exactly. So he had a false positive and for a number of hours it was the entire Norwegian team was in quarantine and would not have been able to start the weekend which would make this podcast fairly boring on the results side of things but the but the fact of the but the fact of the matter is it was a false positive and then of course there has been some controversy in the fact that he was able to not he not himself not Nossum himself but the Norwegian team were able to pay for a fast test which cost 1500 euros per test per test per fast like per per fast analyze wow okay. fast analysis okay um, so they, they splurged for that, came back negative. Everyone else had negative tests on the Norwegian contingent. So they were allowed to start. And then of course, like Iceland, the coach for Iceland also tested positive And apparently he wasn't even offered this, this fast analytical test or the fast anal an uh, analysis method. So the one Icelandic athlete, who's actually just a Norwegian athlete from Tromso, uh, named Snorri Einarsson was not able to to start the weekend. I mean, not a huge loss to the World Cup field. Sorry, Snorri Anderson, but that's just the facts of life. Um, but still, but it's useful information. My gosh, I'm yeah. But 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 it is but it is useful information. And the fact that he wasn't even offered that uh, Iceland wasn't even offered offered that shows you know again when Fist just outsources all these testing and these protocols to whatever the the local organizing committee. Yeah. But anyways, they got out of it and we had some great racing this weekend. I have to admit it was amazing. There was some absolutely fantastic racing. I really enjoyed procrastinating by by following along and there were some wonderful performances by by a number of different athletes. So I'm really excited to just dig into it and let's get let's get through the World Cup number. And you know what? We're on the board, Jason. We're on the board. We had World Cups. We had World Cups in cross-country skiing and so far <laughs> <laughs> except for this false positive and then the positive of the of the um Icelandic coach which again could have been a false positive who knows because he wasn't offered um the quick analysis test after um seems like we got out of it okay although we have to wait till tomorrow and then the the exit testing but but we had some great competition so I'm really excited to break it down with you yeah i have to say like i uh, um, you know, and I think I, I just sort of briefly mentioned this and I wrote a few just very cursory stories late last week. You know, the, the IBU World Cup, which is the Biathlon World Cup, was also in Finland this weekend. And they started sending emails. The IBU did send some emails I, I'm off the top of my head, maybe Wednesday, maybe Thursday, you know. And I think at the time it was like five five different teams had had athletes test positive. And I was like, wow, this is not going to go well because the IBU, I feel like, you know, they've been pretty forthright in their testing protocol and disclosing what it is and also about modifying their their uh, their schedule. And so I thought, oh gosh, you know, I was kind of clicking on uh, the fifth site and like, oh, this is going to shut down anytime. But lo and behold, like you said, great, 
great weekend of racing. Let's kind of think about this. You know, we have a pandemic. Everyone's saying that there's going to be a huge surge in people interested in cross-country skiing. So for someone who maybe is first-timer to this podcast or first-timer to Faster Skier or kind of interested in the World Cup, how would you frame the weekend of racing? And if you can just break it down like race format and it's three days. Sure. The the easiest way, and and then this doesn't help those folks that don't all that also don't follow cycling but but uh, the the, for, the format itself is a combination the, the, the big daddy where all the points are is this overall standing after three competitions and it starts with a normal classic sprint so it's like any other cross-country ski sprint although this is in classic although that is normal too because the 2018 olympics cl- sprint was a, was in the classic technique so it started with that and it's a shorter punchier sprint takes about two and a half minutes for the men so it's fast and furious and then the next day you gain bonus seconds so if you won the sprint you get 30 seconds bonus um for for the next day and the next day was a individual start classic race so that's a time trial format um for those familiar with cross country with uh, cross country skiing but also if you're familiar with cycling time trial format means every 30 seconds um a new athlete goes and they race alone or against the clock. Although there are trains that end up forming when you catch other athletes in different laps. So 15 kilometers, it was three laps of 5k. And then the final day is, is a pursuit start. So it is your cumulative time from the sprint on day one on Friday, plus your time in the Saturday's race, the 15 kilometer individual start, plus those bonus seconds, factored in you only get bonus seconds if you make the top 30 in the sprint you are essentially race the sprint proper race the rounds and first gets 30 seconds and um and last gets one second so last being 30th sorry in the rounds not last place in the competition 30th gets one second um and then it's a cumulative time and then they go out based on their advantage and then whoever crosses the finish line first wins wins the wins the competition of course there is another competition within the competition for the last day and that's kind of a pet peeve of mine has been for a long time but we do have to touch upon it but i mean they do give out 50 world cup points and a pseudo win or pseudo podium uh, although there's no real podium for it but um for the time of the day and and in in a lot of ways it's it's great to recognize great performances but in another side of the coin there's two completely different races that are happening and we'll get into that okay so yeah there is obviously a lot to break down so let's you know we're going to start with friday's uh or i'd like to start with friday's sprints for sure we'll just go chronologically yeah let's go chronologically and let's start with the women i mean sweden locked up the podium the podium and Maybe a surprise, maybe not a surprise. And if you could mention Fala, who's a Norwegian sprint star, was missing from the line. So yeah, speak a little bit about that and then we'll get into that sprint. So Mike and Kaspersen Fala, who is the reigning world champion, she's an Olympic champion in the sprint format. She's won the sprint globe a number of times, which means she was the best sprinter on, on the World Cup a number of seasons. Uh, she's usually a marked woman. She's one to watch. She's been struggling with her lungs for the last month or so. And when you hear that, everyone thinks like, oh, God, she has coronavirus. And that's not the case with Mike, and at least not as of now. Um, but she has been struggling with her lungs. It's something that she struggled with it, it, throughout her career. Not not at this level, though. And they made the hard decision to to stay home. She didn't feel quite ready to start a mini tour. Um, at this at this time, although she is training and 
it's not shouldn't be huge cause of concern for those that are uh, Fala fans as far as the season progresses. But for this weekend, it, it just wasn't in the cards, and and she was she was missing. Stina Nielsen is missing for those of you that are fans of uh, sprinting. Stina Nielsen is the reigning Olympic champion. She won the classic sprint in Pyeongchang, and she's missing because she switched sports completely and she is now on the Swedish biathlon team, although it wasn't good enough uh, because she just started this year. This is first year uh, training and racing for biathlon. She's only done like one weekend of biathlon races, but she obviously isn't good enough to make the World Cup team for Sweden. Uh, Sweden's women's World Cup team, as you saw today with Oberg winning on the IBU circuit for those that follow that sport. Um, So she wasn't able to be a part of that, but she has switched. So that really... seems seemingly leaves a bit of a vacuum a power vacuum uh, to see who's going to take take the reins but i mean lynn svan for the women so she she's a young swedish athlete second year senior she won the overall so she won the sprint globe last year as a first year senior which is just a phenomenal feat uh for any athlete although it was a very tight race down the stretch and it could be argued either way, like, did she get a little lucky because those late sprints were cancelled or not? Uh, regardless, she won the Globe. She has it at home on her mantle. And I always thought of her as a better skate sprinter. She's a really aggressive, incredibly aggressive skier. And I was floored with how well she executed the race. Every round, she was on top of it, skiing beautifully, crisp kicks, really running like a champ up that last hill that the Kusumo, which really ends it's it's like the first half of Kusumo is essentially just throw it away or fast forward through it because nothing happens and then it's all just to shoot out the last 45 50 seconds which which the big part of that is one big uphill and then a kind of a fairly long drag to the finish lin spawn absolutely threw down and the Swedish women, like we've talked about over and over and over, they're the best women's sprint team in the world, no question. And and they stomped it by sweeping the podium in the first World Cup sprint of the season. Great stuff. Everyone was skiing well. Um, yeah, the, all the Swedish women were skiing amazing. And then, you know, that's the podium. But if you just look through the results list, I mean, the Swedish women were all over the top 30. The Americans seemed to struggle a little bit in the classic sprint compared to years previous, but they did have a few in the rounds. Uh, Haley Swerble making the rounds is, is pretty exciting for those that are really following the American the American ski scene. I think the future is bright there, and now it's cool to see her mix it up. And yeah, that's that's kind of like the that's kind of the quick and dirty with the women's sprint. But I mean that, that those were the takeaways. No, that's good. We need to be yeah, we need to be sort of efficient in our execution here. Uh, but yeah, just one last word, you know, for the U.S. I think you know Rosie Brennan uh, qualified in thirteenth, placed seventeenth. Um, that was a career best in a sprint for her. I believe I was at to like, I've already written these things up, but like I said, sleep deprived for sure. Haley Swir- Swirble career best 18th. Um, so those were, those were really positive results. Those are really positive results. And something I noted in the women's story today, or I did an interview with Jesse Diggins uh, earlier this morning and it's, it's posted. But one of the things we talked about, if you look at her historic results, you know, in Ruka, she's about where she feels like she should be this time of year. She kind of ramps into, you know, race sensations and kind of longer term goals like world champs. So 
No, for sure. No one should be worried about Jesse. No one should be worried about Jesse Diggins. I mean, yeah, historically. So that's the other thing for those that don't really follow or are new to following the World Cup scene or new to this podcast or, or this discussion. Ruka, the Ruka Triple, they call it now or whatever, but it's a mini tour, which just means it's a three day stage race instead of the Tour de Ski, which, you know, really the Tour de Ski has been defanged so much that it's hard to call it that hard anymore, but it used to be hard back in the days. But anyways, that is more like a six, six event, six, seven event changes every year a little bit, but, um, stage race. And, and, and this one is a three, three dayer. Um, so Diggins, you know, and, and, and it's been going on for a while here in Ruka. So, you know, Diggins has, we have a lot of historical results with Diggins. I'm not worried whatsoever with, with, uh, with how that ended up. And we'll come back to that when we come to Sunday, sure. but, but Rosie Brennan, of course, um, since we want to have a nice arc to this discussion, um, her, her, her great classic sprint making the quarterfinals is a huge achievement already. And she qualified well, you know, like you said, 13th in the qualification. So, um, those of those of which or those of whom were a little unsure with what Rosie Brandon was going to do for the weekend, they should have uh, that sh- they should have noted noted down in their little notebook that she should be one to watch because for having classic sprint like that, it bodes well for the rest of the week. And, and we saw that, which we'll get into as we as we move through it. Yeah, Rosie in talking to Rosie this morning, she said even up to like two or three days before she traveled from Anchorage to Europe, she was still equivocating as to whether or not she would even show up to race because of the pandemic. But what she noted was like she felt so good. She owed it to herself to at least test this type of fitness that she was feeling against, you know, on the World Cup. Oh, that's fun. That's fun to hear. That's ah, great to hear. Yeah, and and she no, killed she it, sure did. Obviously. She did. For yeah. for those that just can't deal with the suspense, Rosie Brennan ended the mini tour in fifth <laughs> with a just absolutely phenomenal day uh, today. So, but anyways, we'll come back to that, which is a great, which is obviously best uh, career best uh, tour result, no question. So that so that was that was exciting. But we got to get to the men. And one, sorry, before we yeah, so before we sorry, one men. one last thing yeah. before we get to the men as we jump around, Heidi Wang. Those that follow cross-country skiing, yeah, she out. is an amazing skier, one of the best skiers of this generation, was in good shape, had some great events in, in Bidestolen, which we covered last week. She is dealing with some anxiety, and I'm not saying that lightly. Uh, she was very worried about yeah. the pandemic last week in, in, in oh, Norway, God. very, very worried. Um, was able to articulate that really well in interviews, coming to interviews like major stress, saying she was really worried, not having fun. Uh, her head wasn't in it in the sprint. She was second last, I think, or, or if she wasn't second last, she was way, way back. And afterwards, she just said in the interview, she laid it flat. Like, she's like, my head's not in it. I can't, I can't race like this. I'm so worried about coronavirus. Uh, I just, I, I'm having absolutely no fun racing cross-country skiing right now, and I can't put it behind me. She decided to pull out, and we'll just have to wait and see to the next time Heidi Wang races internationally. I think think we may not see her race much internationally uh if she can't um you know battle with these demons and, and these demons are real like rosie saying that that's real i mean i'm glad athletes are, are making these decisions and thinking about this because like we talked about like nobody really knows what the outcome is going to be if you do fall ill and there is so much uncertainty so my my heart goes out to heidi cause she's a great she's a great competitor she is one of the best in the world. No question she should have been in there for the hunt for the medals uh, in the mini tour as she's been in the past. 
and the fact that um you know this is just weighing really heavily mentally on 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 Heidi really that's that's that was tough to hear yeah thanks for bringing that up because i i, I it's worth mentioning that everybody who's yeah. over there i think they understand like uh, oh yeah contextually what everyone yeah it's stressful for sure it's super stressful and we we should all support athletes making decisions like that. I mean, she really didn't feel comfortable traveling whatsoever. And, and she kind of took the same approach as Rosie did saying like, well, I'm in good shape. Uh, I'm a professional athlete. So it's kind of what I should do. But then unlike Rosie, she just wasn't able to to overcome that. And and uh, for better or worse, her her future, I mean, I'm sure she'll be racing the Norwegian, the Norwegian Cups and the races here in Norway, but the traveling internationally part, um, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens with Heidi. Okay, so um, thanks for bringing that up. Uh, okay, so the, on the men's side, uh, a familiar yeah. name, a familiar name, uh, a couple of familiar names, but Clavo uh, took second in the men's sprint. Uh, yeah. Perhaps yes, you heard that right. Yeah. Very so, unexpectedly. Yeah, so talk a little bit about that because that was a lovely oh. finals. Oh, it was just an amazing final, no question. And Clavo had a 16, you heard that right, 16 classic sprint wins in a row going into this event. And Eric Volnes, who is a monster talent, won under 23 world championships many years in a row. He's been on the podium in a number of world cups. He's young. He's from a small place called Bardufoss, Norway, which is in Troms, which is way the hell up there. We're talking like 70 degrees north up there, or maybe it's 69.9 or whatever, but he, he is from way up north. Really great guy. Just so easy to cheer for and just put together a final that was absolutely electric and was able to pull away from Claybo on that hill, which we have never seen before. And in the end, securing his first World Cup victory, and it's not just a World Cup victory, he has ended a streak, the likes of which we haven't seen in cross-country skiing since Mart Bjergen, back in, you know, like, we're talking 2004-05 in the sprints, when Mart Bjergen was untouchable in sprints. So, an amazing victory by Eric Valdness, and I thought Claybo also showed a lot of class uh, after after losing, and he was so gracious in his loss, and was really excited and happy for his teammate. Even though, of course, he wants to win. Claybo's used to winning, uh, and sometimes he can be a little bit of a sucky boy. He can be. Uh, Claybo, absolutely. For sure. right. Oh yeah, yeah. Claybo yeah, yeah. can be a suck. Claybo can be a real sucky boy, and he wasn't whatsoever in that classic sprint, which was which was great to see. I have a lot of respect for that. And and Valnes just put on a real clinic. He put on a show. A lot of fun. Um, of course, Norway swept the podium. So for those of which that are new to cross country skiing, they're like, what's up with this? The Swedish women sweep the podium and then the Norwegian men sweep the podium in the men's <laughs> side of things. But at the, at the end of the day, this is just sprinting for the men has been dominated by Norway for since the beginning and in classic, especially. And with the two athletes mentioned specifically, at such a high level, I mean, this this should come as no surprise. So I thought it was an amazing men's field as well, a men's sprint. I thought it was super fun. And to see Valnes win like that and, and put an end to a streak that was, yeah, really like none other uh, in the men's side in sprinting um, was pretty incredible to see. So a huge, huge win to start the season and open his account. Yeah, and people that are, you know, again, like watching or listening for the first time, wait until Davos in a couple of weeks. I think that's when the French 
folks wake up and they start killing it. Um, and then absolutely, and then, yeah. On, yeah. and then there's Pellegrino. So like, there'll be yeah. some diversity. Oh, for sure, there will be some diversity. But the classic sprint in Ruka has been dominated by by the Norwegians, and it will continue to be in in the future. Um, <laughs> one shout out. Um, and I spoke to him on Friday. Very nice young man, uh, JC Schoonmaker, who is from the Tahoe City, California, so near Lake Tahoe. And this is—I was just about to say—this is a cat. So am I allowed to say that? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like it's jazz. Like this is a guy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. This is a guy who, like I said, is twenty. He was uh, for the represented the U.S. in. Um, Dresden last year and and qualified um and so that's it and, and I had talked about this with JC that's a that's obviously a very different course maybe you could mention that it's a lot it's a oh, lot yeah. no no it's you can't even you can't even compare them yeah you can't compare them but yeah it's still a great achievement to make the rounds in the scene in the sure. senior men's field no matter what especially if you're a young athlete from the U.S. or from anywhere yeah and he almost qualified in Ruka and Gus Schumacher was 43rd. I hope he takes a lot of confidence from that. Like we talked about before, Ruka and period one, every race in period one is tough. People are really fighting for their <laughs> fighting for their bread. They're fighting for their chance to, to continue on with their respective national teams. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was a great start for, for such a young, talented athlete. So it'd be fun to to follow along okay so let's jump to saturday when it was a 10k classic interval start for the women and a 15k classic or classic interval start for the men so you know if you if you did catch it you know you're streaming somehow you know nbc did not cover the ruka events but you can find those races in like norwegian or swedish on the interwebs you know they're they can be a little bit tough to watch because you're like who's where what's happening but also they're a great indication of like who's fit and who may be kind of working in the fitness in the, in the early season. So absolutely usual suspect on the women's side. Yeah, no, you know what? Terezio hugged. There was a lot of noise. There was a lot of chirping, especially coming out of Sweden because Frida Carlson's had a great summer training season, been setting some, some personal bests. And, and if you're at the level of uh, Frida Carlson or, uh, or or Terezio hugging you're posting personal best in anything like it makes the news and and um you know the last race of the world cup before corona shut this whole show down was although it was a bad tactical error by Teresa in back in march when she didn't change her skis uh and that's why she lost home and cole no nothing against uh frida carlson it was a great victory for her but really Teresa, if she would have changed her skis would have won um so that was the last that was the last race and everyone's like is Frida going to do it and you know what Frida had a great race. Frida had an uh, absolutely fantastic race but Terezio Hug showed that you know what if anybody is expecting Terezio Hug to slow down they haven't been following the sport at all. Uh she skied beautifully and put together a fantastic win to open her account for the season. Frida Carlson again coming in second great absolutely great racing by her and then Eb Anderson who is an absolute star for sweden uh had a great race again and uh to come third a great race again i should say she's had so many great races in her career and to start the season in third like that in a tight tight race uh she showed a lot of class and was skiing really really well the big story for me internationally is a russian woman by the with the last name serena and she was fourth 0.1 seconds from the podium and she had never and i mean never 
been top 30 in a World Cup prior to this weekend. Um, that, 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 that raised some eyebrows, but she was skiing amazing, but she was skiing so well, technically, uh, especially in diagonal in her double polling, maybe not quite as much, but in diagonal. And, and that really helps in, in a steep, tough course like Ruka. Serena was skiing so well. And you know what? I, I found myself cheering for, her. I mean, I was like, oh, come on. Like, this is just such a great story. She was out last year. She had a kid, so she didn't race whatsoever. And and it was an exciting race. And the fact that she was just outside of the podium, I was like, oh, my heart broke a little bit for her because she put together just a killer day. Um, and But it set up for a great Sunday, which we'll get to. And then Rosie Brennan, of course, maybe you can take this over. Rosie was awesome. Yeah, but, hey, I want to, let me jump in first. I want to jump in and discuss the uh, the Russian athlete for a second. Okay. Okay. Please. I think I think I'm I think I'm okay. On, I think I'm right on this because I I there was a a post on our Facebook page that and and again like I aired and I did not beyond her result I did not mention that she had taken a year off to start a family and about this being you know a close to her first podium. Um, she was just off my radar and you know I was wrong about you know not mentioning those things. But I but I looked at her results pretty closely this morning. And you did preface you did preface like it quote raised some eyebrows and I think she did again I, I wrote it up this morning and I don't have the document in front of me I think she came in like fifteenth in a sprint in maybe twenty eighteen okay but but her results for sprinting are are you know respectable but her 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 distance results were like way way off the chart so I was like okay well this is maybe why she wasn't on my radar. And so I have to say, after looking at the, those results, I was like, well, uh, I was on, like, I had some friends watching Icarus this weekend and they were like, hey, have you watched Icarus? I'm like, yeah, I've watched it three times. And this is a documentary that won an Academy <laughs> Award. It, it documents the doping scandals in, in uh, Russia. That said, I, I, tell me what you thought, you know, what does raise some eyebrows mean to you? <laughs> In this context, no, you know, I, no, no, no. I said, I said, raise some eyebrows because I never heard. Gotcha. Of her. Okay, but, but, but here's here's the thing, and and I'll, I know maybe I'll get some blowback. But I'm sure this. I will. The way, the, the 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 way she skied. No, the the way she skied, Serena skied so well, and I was cheering for. Her. I was. I thought I was like, wow, this is a great story. She was out all last year, um, with pregnancy. She everything I've heard is that she's been incredibly dedicated. And even when she got pregnant, so essentially she's been out for like two years, we can say. Essentially. And from what I've heard is she is incredibly dedicated and incredibly goal-driven. Her husband is a national team coach, Igor Igor Sodin, uh, working with the Russian program. And you know, if you work your butt off for two years. And you have good guidance, and you don't make mistakes, and you have some talent. I think it's a great story as of now. Yeah, I think it's an awesome story that she can mix it up with the best skiers in the world. And if you ski like that for the younger skiers, especially in diagonal, the younger female skiers, if if you want to see somebody skiing beautiful diagonal stride, you know, you you know, you can look to to Serena's technique. Yeah, it's a little Russian. You know, it's a little bit more powerful, a little longer than like let's say Teresa or something. But it's it it, it was great skiing. And you know what? I was uh, 
I thought it was awesome to watch. I really did. So, and, and I was, I was like, huh, I wonder if she can skate because she looks so good with her technique and classic. I'm like, I can't wait to see on Sunday, like, how's she going to be skating? Because I've never seen her. I have no, no reference for her. Although, you know, I was talking a bit, we're texting a little bit with Ivan Babikov, my old teammate and buddy. And, and he's like, oh, you, you've seen her around. She just has a different last name because she got married, blah, 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 blah. And, um, and regardless, like you said, in distance results, like no top 30s ever. But, uh, you know, in two years, you can go a long way when you're a young athlete who's motivated and working really hard with good support around you. So, you know what, I'm going to go, you know, yet there has been a lot of noise around around the Russian system. Of course, there has been. But but I'm going to just take it for what it was. It was a great race by her. And yeah, I almost found my heart breaking a little bit for her that she was so close to a medal, although she erased that the next day. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get, we'll, we'll get to that. I just wanted to bring that up because like, yeah. you know, I try and operate in a complete vacuum. No, no, but, for but sure. That's kind of impossible. No, no, it is. It is. And, and, and then the same thing, like, well, well we can, you know, I, I'm the first to admit that like Bolshinov who won the overall world cup last year, uh, who's a great skier technically as well, too, a huge talent at the same level as Klebo. Um, you know, the reason why I always raise questions about Bolshinov, uh, or not raise questions about Bolshinov himself, but the support staff around him is that his coach uh, is is like the dirtiest coach in cross-country skiing, hands <laughs> down. Sorry, I used an F-bomb again. Uh, <laughs> sure, remember, we have, that, I have a little beep. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. But, but you know, like he shouldn't be in the sport and he, he should not be on the sidelines. And every time I see him on TV or when I'm working with various teams in the World Cup as a, as a retired athlete, and it, it, it annoyed me when I was an active athlete as well. This guy should not be in cross-country skiing full stop. And um, that bums me out. But Bolshinov himself, innocent until proven guilty, great skier, super strong, really motivated, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and say he's doping. What do I, I don't, you know, I don't think I want to believe he isn't. And, and if you ski like that and you're trained like that, then, you know, he, he should be an inspiration for young athletes. He should be. So, but, okay. uh, but, but with, but with Serena, yeah. doesn't have that same, doesn't have that same dark cloud around her as, as a tried, tested and true coach that has been involved with an immense amount of positive doping test athletes in the past. She doesn't have that with her. So, you know what? Good on, good on Serena. We'll keep cheering her on. She skied great. Okay. So let's just, and I had interrupted you way back here, but uh, Rosie Brennan, another, you know, she followed up oh. her impressive, you know, sprint qualifier with uh, an eighth place in the 10K Classic on Saturday. Amazing. Top 10, top 10 in a period one race is just, uh, you're lighting it, you're lighting it up and... Yeah, I mean, it was, um, you know, she's had top 10s in the past. So it's, it, you know, you want to say career day and, you know, she's had, she's raced into the top 10 prior, prior to this, but um, uh, just a phenomenal day for the U.S. contingent, at least Rosie Brennan herself. And uh, I thought it was really awesome to see. I, I thought it was, I thought it was so cool. And what a way to start your season. So amazing racing by Rosie. And I, I hope the North American fans get a lot, uh, a big kick out of that because it was uh in an individual start race in Ruka, no place to hide to throw down an eighth place like that. It was, uh, yeah, what a day. Okay. So let's just jump right to Sunday because you know, she's like, you know, I actually really like to ski by myself out on the, you know, when she's racing 
And you know, it, it wasn't a mass start race today. It's a pursuit format. But you know, she had a couple of people ahead of her, a couple of people behind her, and it might be easy to just sort of get comfortable uh, with the folks that might be starting a few seconds up front or someone tags on you and you catch a draft. But she just charged and she did ski quite a bit, you know, just off the lead chase pack and slowly but surely brought them in. And uh, really, she popped a fifth place, which was a career best for her. Oh, it's a, it was a phenomenal race. Rosie had a phenomenal race on Sunday at the skate pursuit. If we're going to just jump into the women's skate pursuit and just finish the weekend. I mean, Terezio Hug showed her class. She won off the front and won the whole tour. Great skiing, great technical skiing, and just uh, really solid performance. That chase pack that, that Rosie ended up catching there on on that last lap but if we talk about that chase pack there was a lot of stuff in that chase pack i was really impressed with and a lot of head scratching as well so the chase pack was actually fairly big and you had you had some really heavy hitters uh the main one being frida carlson and ruka is a steep course and especially that two and a half k they're only using the the right hand side of the course which is essentially a half pipe that's what we used to call it on the team alex and i and, and babs and the boys like it's like oh god we're gonna race the half pipe because that's what that pursuit course is you just go down up down up and then just keep doing it till the race is over and um you know i was expecting frida carlson to just blow the doors off the women she was skiing around uh serena being one but also like lynn svan and dahlquist and i'm like this is this is just so over like frida's gonna try and get up to teresa maybe she does maybe she doesn't but regardless she's gonna she's a she's safe for second place here uh that's not how it played out and what i was really surprised with is is it became tactical and you don't see that very very often in the women's field actually but that chase pack i think i think frida and then when ebba anderson caught up again it was she had a stellar day um she started bib seven and she she came back to the chase pack uh <clears throat> i was like okay she's gonna go then but she used a lot of energy to get up from seventh into that chase pack and then Lynn Svahn looked so good. I know we talked about uh, Dahlqvist last weekend in that Brooks Villarna race where she was third in the 10K skate. And I, I, I noted that. I'm like, wow, that's a great performance in the distance race. But Dahlqvist and Lynn Svahn looked great in that chase pack. And you know what? They got freaked out. It almost looked like it almost started looking like I was watching a men's race where they started looking and Lynn Svahn looked great and Dahlqvist looked great and Frida and Ebba, they're like, oh my God, like, we can't drop them and the pace just died and you know it was a tactical it became tactical and shocking they they essentially gave up completely on teresa and started marking each other and no one wanted to take the big risk to try and do that big dig in case it didn't work and you towed all these great sprinters to the last hill and that opened up a great opportunity because that tactical them playing it tactical like that looking around allowed people like ebba to come back and then later on rosie to come back and which which set up for like just a just a such an exciting last lap of that 10k these are two and a half k laps and and rosie was in on that and then of course not of course because it, it actually broke my heart as amazing as the performance of Serena was she ended up second which is crazy like I told you the day before Saturday first time ever in the top 30 in distance race she's fourth and then follows up with second in the mini tour like what that's like a dream weekend for anybody and uh Eb Anderson super solid comes in third that's expected she's great but Lynn Svahn and Dahlquist went down they fell and you know what 
with all those athletes, Sorina, Frida Carlson, Abby Anderson, with Lynn Svon and Dahlquist there, say goodnight, it's over. They will blow the doors off you going up that last hill. And the fact that they both fell, oh, <laughs> that was a real, that was a, that was a bummer if you're a Swedish ski fan, because you know what, it was well within your sights that it had, a, it looked good that they'd be at least two, three, four. And, and instead they were three, four, which is good. But, um, the two, their two best cards biffed it. And, but the, Hey, you know what, that opened the door for, for Rosie and, um, to, to sneak in there and, and come fifth. And like you said, what a gutsy performance by Rosie, um, to just catch back onto that, to that chase pack and then hang tough for that last lap like that. So just, just fantastic stuff. And then, you know, uh, this is, yeah, like, I just can't stand the fact that we, like, I don't know what to call it. You, when you interview the athletes after two, they also say the same thing. You know, it's like, oh, you won the World Cup, sure. you know, Holland today. It's like, oh, you won a World Cup today. And he's like, well, you know what? I didn't win a World Cup. I was fourth in a World Cup. It doesn't feel like I won a World Cup, but I had a great day. And thank you for recognizing my great day. Uh, he, he's in the men's side and he had the best time of the day today. Um, but you know, Teresa, yeah, she had the best time of the day today, but very close behind was a junior skier, Foss's home. And, and she she came all the way back from, from bib 16. Or was she bib 16? I think so. And so yeah, I think she I think she was I think she was around bib 16 anyways. And she came back for sixth in the mini tour standings and had the second best time, only 0.8 seconds behind Teresa Johag, and everyone's like, oh my god, like this is amazing. But she had a it's a totally different race. Teresa Yoha goes out by herself. That's it. And then Foss's home has all these bodies in front of her that's like it, it, that she's chasing. She's a hunter. She's like catching people. She's motivated. She's getting all these splits. She's going through and through and through. And it was amazing performance by Foss's home. It was. No hats off. Beautiful skiing. But really, she was sixth. Foss's home, the junior, was sixth today. That's what she was. So here's a question, because I know you know Teresa a little bit. I mean, the fact of the matter is, when you were quarantined in your chateau up in Sujin last winter, I think she delivered groceries for you or something. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did. Okay. So so what is an athlete like it's that? No chateau either. This is a Norwegian cabin, Jason, like yeah, wood know, fire to keep it warm. Out, I yeah, thought yeah. I'd Okay, okay. That's just for the people at home. I know. No, it's like a wholesome little like wood-burning stove. It's cool. Yeah. 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 Um, we have to keep it real here on the podcast. Oh yeah, oh to to totally. And this is like this is Kristen's cabin. I'll also put that in there. It's uh, I married into it. <laughs> <laughs> she married well. Let's just say that she married. I don't. Well I, don't I don't. I don't know. I, I, well, I, I feel like I I got lucky there. But anyways. So anyways, so I what does an athlete or does Teresa stress? about another competitor like what is someone like that coming into a new year she knows she's going to be fit whatever benchmark she's using you know training with her brother who knows she knows she's going to be fit and a machine but she's not quite an automaton you know but like what is an athlete or what does she stress about in a series like this imagine she's 20 seconds off the front in a pursuit is she stressing no, not at all. And that's the amazing thing about Therese Johag, and that's why she's one of the best gears ever. Um, she's so strong mentally, Jason. You know, I talk, I sing the praises of Jesse too. Like Jesse Diggins is so strong mentally uh, when it's when it's race time, like when the bib is on and the gun goes off. Like, man, there's some, some of these athletes are just fierce competitors. And 
yeah, it just, Teresa is not worried whatsoever about anybody ever. And when she loses, yeah, you know, she puts her best foot forward and, you know, no one likes losing. Um, but as far as being stressed or feeling hunted or feeling anything like that, like Teresa is just out there trying to do the best absolute race she can do it. She can do. She is so detail oriented as well. And she is so absolutely fully committed to the process and improvement that I never even heard her like talk ever worried about competitors ever okay <laughs> but she yeah, is just... but she is but she is always worried about her own skiing and she, not worried but she's always looking to improve always and i know that sounds like so cliche but i just haven't met that many athletes at at, at uh, teresa's level none let's say um at that level of of commitment and uh exacting so so it's um yeah, it's funny. Like I would have been freaking out if I was Teresa and I started 16 seconds ahead of like all these young whippersnappers. Um, but but Teresa's that it's just something she's not that stressed about when that gun goes off. Maybe a little bit before, but not when the gun goes off. She's she's just like she's just ready to charge, and that's what she did today. And I mean, like I said, that that chase pack tried a little bit, or Frida tried a little bit on that first lap, and then realized it's just not coming back, not whatsoever, and it was pulling out a little bit. And then after that, like I was so shocked that Frida just started looking around. And everyone started looking around and then that chase pack started skiing like men and uh, the pace just died and the the gap ballooned to, you know, 40 seconds, 45 seconds. It's like, what is going on here? Like there's some powerful women skiers in this field and they're just letting Teresa walk away with it. But they just started marking each other and started racing for second. Yeah, conversely, and then we'll wrap it up. I mean, is there something about like you know, letting Teresa walk away with it, but the prospect of actually the, the cost benefit analysis for an athlete out there, they're like, am I really going to catch a Teresa Yohog right now in a 10 K race with a 16 second lead? Yeah, for sure. Um, but, but I would have thought, you know, who is another killer out there is, is Frida Carlson. She showed that time right, and time right. again. And I, you know, I, I personally, I mean, who, who knows what she would say to this, but I just don't think Frida Carlson had the best day today. I think she had a great 15 K classic yesterday. She came a little undone uh a 10k classic sorry um the men did 15 uh frida came a little bit un undone in the last closing kilometers of, of yesterday's 10k but but today i just don't think she had a great day perfectly honest she just she, she tried she tried up that first hill and normally you'd think like on that first lap she distanced herself from the sprinters and and serena pretty easily and whether she would come back to Teresa or not that's that's to be determined but i would have thought she would have just cruised in for second no problem and, and instead like yeah, she, I just don't think she had the best day. Okay, so I think we've wrapped up the women's side, right? Yeah, 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 okay. absolutely. So now we're going to take a little rewind. This is like I, last night I watched, it was very depressing, Hillbilly Elegy, which is also which is the book. <laughs> yeah. I watched that movie with my wife last night, and there's a lot of moving back in time, um, and it was very depressing. But mm -hmm. anyway, on the theme of moving back and forward you know, in time, we're now moving back to Saturday for the men's. Yeah. For the man, fifteen uh, k classic interval start. I think I have that right. Yeah, that's right. And it was uh, it was a barn burner for Claybo. Claybo was amazing. Skied absolutely like a champ. Didn't take any rides. Led everything. Skied like a total boss. Ends up winning by fifteen or so seconds in a fifteen k classic individual start. These wins mean a lot to Claybo, to anyone, but especially sprint, yeah. especially sp a sprint sprint. He's not a sprinter, but he is. He's the best sprinter that ever lived. But he, you know, they want you want to win it alone. I don't know, just some stupid thing with cross country skiing, the history of it, or whatever. But the 15k classic individual start, you know, it just 
it's just kind of mythical in Nordic skiing. And and his first chance, you have Ivo Niskanen, who always steps up. He's a Finn, and he always steps up at home. He seems to always win at home. And That's right. And Only at home. Though. Yeah, and then Bolshinov, who's also like just a total beast, in classic especially, um, you know, and then and then Klebo coming off losing in in Bidestol, and not just losing, but he lost by twenty seven seconds to Mikkel Gunnarsson, who made the World Cup team. We talked about that last week. Ended up feeling like he had a little tickle in his throat. He was on edge, so he chose not to travel because of these Corona restrictions, and decided that he wanted to take make the make the the right moral move and and not not stress people out so he he gave up his opportunity which just breaks my heart because that must have been a tough race for for him to see uh to see claybo win and you beat him by 30 seconds the week or 27 seconds a week like six days ago that's tough but but claybo claybo is like petter nortug in that he lifts his game for the big show great racing by him trevotkin that was interesting for me shocked that trevotkin made the podium in classic it's his first it's his first classic podium in an individual start but again he was skiing really well the whole russian team like we talked about i mean i'm sorry the men's racing in distance is, is kind of boring i mean it, it's russia versus norway uh the reason why i'm interested in it is because i liked in analyzing the technique i like seeing how the tactics play out and how people solve these courses especially coach course like ruka that i've raced like so many times <laughs> I, I always i always find it a little bit extra in, like a bit more interesting to watch so but it was a russian it was a russian norway show claybo awesome bolshenov of course solid in the podium uh ivo niskin in a little little shock that he was was uh back back in fifth but um Chervotkin, amazing but the big story of the day the story of the day for me this will crack you up Andrew, yeah, like, what is this? Andrew Musgrave. Oh yeah, dude. Sixth. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. like the kid was sixth. Andrew Musgrave. Have you seen Andrew Musgrave classic ski? Sorry, Muzzy. I love you, buddy. <laughs> but you're not the prettiest classic skier I've ever seen in my life. And he was coming off just a raunch fest of a season last year, where he tried a whole bunch of wacky stuff crazy amount of days at altitude he tried to lose a whole bunch of weight because uh, you know he's a bit of a stockier guy especially on the distance side of things um you know he tried a whole bunch of yeah he tried a whole bunch of things none of it worked it blew up in his face and he got the floor wiped with them all last winter took his licks got back to basics was really unsure like we talked about him by the stolen that's why he sung the praises that he was 10th in that in that uh in that 15k skate last weekend in Bidestone with the pre-world cups and then bang first distance race of the season the kit the guy qualifies the guy finishes sixth in a classic race and then i also yeah. got to say andrew young skis the yeah. 16th in a classic yeah. race as well like oh my god britain that was awesome what an amazing saturday for britain just great stuff and and sunday but and we'll get sunday, to that and sunday we'll get to that and sweden men's garbage again but the fact of the matter is poroma william poroma like we talked about last week he won in brooksville oh, that took like he, 35 minutes yeah i know no but he but he he won in brooksville aren't and i'm like first year senior this will be interesting you know his dad's worked for the american cross-country ski team for those that are real like real super fans worked for the team in 2007 2008 season uh his dad larry and the guy's 15th which is pretty awesome. Like honestly, yes, man. William Porama in the in the 15k classic was 15. And the only reason why I bring this up is because a two things. A like I said last last uh, week, where the hell are all the Swedish distance men? I don't know. But this is a huge talent. And here's a segue. First year senior finishes finishes uh, 
15th. Gus Schumacher on the World Cup. You know, solid. Mid, mid-pack. Mid, he's a mid-pack skier this weekend, and, I, I, you know, that's that's fine. But he should take a lot of confidence that a guy like Poroma can ski himself into the top 20 because Gus Schumacher is right there. He's better. He's better than William Poroma, you know, traditionally. He has been. So, so I hope he takes a lot of, I hope he takes a lot of confidence in to see that young guys that he's at the same level of or better are able to, to ski into the elite. Ah, close. 15's not totally elite, but you're, but you're getting close. Cause top 10, that's how I reign. Like if you're top 10 in the World Cup event like that, these are, these are career results for a lot of athletes. And if you're 15th, you're just outside. So, so that was, uh, that was kind of a highlight. The men, the men on the men's side of things, Schumacher. Yeah. Like, like I said, mid pack, you know, he's a first year senior as well, reigning world junior champion. And I hope he's just, I hope he's just taking these, these races as learning opportunities. I really do. So, okay. One comment on the folks at the sharp end of that race. So Bolshinov, I think started in uh, two places behind Klebo and he has the knowledge of, of, you know, working off all of the all of the splits of the people ahead of him, and you know, Klebo just happened to have the fastest split at, at every time point or at every time check. Are you a little bit surprised that uh, you know Bolshinov being fed that information could not close the gap? Yeah, I was surprised that Bolshinov couldn't close the gap. I was surprised that Ivo Niskanen couldn't close the gap, and I was really majorly impressed that if you go back and you watch that race, start counting the amount of seconds that Klebo was sitting behind anybody's back. It was rare. He was drilling it. He was towing. He was towing trains around that course. Not only was he leading the splits all over the place, anybody he was catching, these are good athletes he was able to ski with. He would just go right to the front of that train and drill it. So it was one of the Claybo's best. I mean, I I would almost, it's hard to say he's had a lot of great distance races as well, but it's one of his better distance races he's ever had. And especially against some really big hitters in the 15K Classic. And he, and he really, stomped it you know 15 seconds people don't think that's a lot but that's that's early in the season i mean kusumo is traditionally like really tight i mean just ask chris freeman that's been fourth there i've been fifth in kusumo i've been fifth in kusumo only only a couple seconds from a podium uh, it's tight in kusumo it is you know i've been top 10 in kusumo too and being not that far from a podium either it's, it's super tight so so these uh the fact that he was able to win with 15 seconds in the way he did it, he looked like an absolute god out there he looked great so so um hats off to claybo and then and then we can just wrap up the whole thing pretty quick because like on, on sunday what what you expected what you were to expect to have happened happened which is claybo started a little conservatively bolshinov and and uh, emma leverson caught them bolshinov tried a bit couple times more than a couple times actually he was skiing really well tried to, to distance himself from both uh emma leverson who's a great sprinter as well and and uh and, and claybo couldn't couldn't get any distance and then they finished um one two three with claybo taking it on the last hill uh, bolshinov putting up a great fight up the last hill but but settling for second and then uh emma leverson had a great skate day to, to to hang tough like that he's a great classic skier and in skate in mass starts he can be good but usually that's in like over overstore like a little flatter course not a not as punishing as ruka and, and instead today he had a just a great day to, to finish to finish third and then uh, hans krister holand the 50k world champion the reigning 50k world champion great skate skier nicest guy uh had the best time of the day a pseudo world cup win if you if if, if you want to if you want to label it like that i i don't label it like that but it was a great day and um had the fastest time move himself all the way up to fourth 
Um, Musgrave hung in that pack, uh, really great, finished in the top 10, which is, which is an awesome achievement. And aside from that, I mean, yeah, that, 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 that's kind of the weekend. I mean, I, I don't think there's that many surprises on the men's field, really, other than the fact that, uh, Evo, I was expecting to be on the podium in the 15K Classic, although you look what happened. He had a, he had a, he was ended up fifth in the, in the mini tour. So it's not like he had a, it's not like he had a tough outing. He had a great weekend, but um, I mean, and he improved his skate skiing last year, and it seems to have stuck this year as well. Oh, yeah, last year exactly, it stuck. It stuck. Yeah, for sure, totally, totally, it stuck. And um, so, but these are the heavy hitters of cross country skiing on the men's side. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no surprise names on the men's side whatsoever. There was no Serena of the men's side. Claybo a little bit inside his, inside his brain. Does he have some like? I mean. I'll let you, maybe this is a loaded question. A little bit of insecurities. He's kind of interesting just watching him being interviewed after the 15K Classic on Saturday. You know, I wrote this sentence and I thought it to be true, but maybe not. While he was being interviewed, like he was suppressing like a genuine smile. Like this dude was stoked to win a distance race. It had been, I think it had been something like January of last year. And it was like a mass start race in the Tour de Ski or something that he had won. Um, since he had like won a legit serious, you know, distance oh, yeah. race, he seemed like pretty, pretty stoked. Oh yeah. It's a big deal. I'm telling you, man, it's stupid. I know it's dumb. I mean, there's always like, there's always the argument like, uh, cause I was good in sprints back in the days too. And, and, you know, like people would be like, would you rather win a sprint or a distance race? And, you know, like I would like to lie to you and say like a win's a win. But for me, it's like, I don't know. Like <laughs> I don't, it's just a stupid thing. Like, and I think Claybo is a bit on that. That's a Norwegian thing. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It shouldn't be like that, but it means a lot to him to win the 15 K classic. It does. And, uh, and the way he did it too, the way he did it was amazing. Claybo, he's, he's been anxious too about the whole coronavirus and he's been taking some pretty serious and interesting steps to protect himself. Like in the, those summer roller ski races, uh, like in Somnus, like down in Southern Southwest Norway and, and, uh, top of it's because in his house in, in Trondheim. But, but regardless, he drove, you know, the whole team would fly down. It's a 13 hour drive from, from Trondheim to Somnus. And he drove himself because he does not, he, I don't know, dude. I like he is this. not, he is not feeling comfortable with this coronavirus whatsoever. And he, he has okay. been, he has been quoted saying that like, you know what, with the way things are moving in Europe in by and I wasn't quite sure if I could even travel in period one because oh, it just felt so unsure about this whole thing. So he's pretty glad that he went to Ruka at least and, 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 come away with the yellow bib leading the overall world cup and just some great performances. But the fact of the matter is even the best athletes in the world are thinking about this and, and, uh, and Claybo Claybo is no exception. So, um, but here's another little fun fact today with today's world cup win by Claybo, he passes Petter Nortug. Oh, world cup, world cup, world cup win tally. Yes. And he's 24 years old. So Petter Nortag is the legend, like no question. He, like he has 15 world championship gold medals. He's a he's a beast. But uh, but Claybo's 24 years old and he's already passed the amount of World Cup wins that Petter Nortag has in his whole career, which blew my mind because I raised Petter Nortag. We're we're in the same generation, and I just felt like Petter Nortag never lost. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like right, right, every, right. Every, every every mass start race. Like wasn't it Petter Nortag that was like blowing the doors off me in the closing hundred meters? Yeah, it was. I was going to say probably the last ten feet. Yeah, exactly. And and you know like he would win sprints. He'd win individual start races every once in a while. Like Petter Nortag just 
reign supreme. And and yet, with today's win, a 24-year-old Norwegian, also from Trondelag, the region in the uh, middle of Norway, passes the great Petter Nortug. So it's been quite the, it's been quite the start to his senior career so those that are big fans of norwegian skiing or, or just they're just great skiing in general um you know you should bow to greatness i mean Klebo's Klebo's uh he's a he's a beast he is and he's going to be one to watch moving forward and and the the bolshenov Klebo show looks like it has, it's got nowhere to go but but <laughs> but but continue on because this is going to be some great slugfests coming down this season and into the future Okay, well, thanks for your time. And do you get any snow? Nope, no snow yet, man. It's a bummer. Mm. It's a real okay. bummer. Yeah. Okay. But they're blowing snow. It's minus ten today, so they're blowing. Okay. They're blowing a lot of snow. And like the the, I was actually first day on cross country skis was today at seven thirty a.m. Uh, oh, no fun. No, 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 not for not for pleasure. I was helping out. I I help coach a couple athletes, and um, because there's the only skiing for miles is uh, the five k loop up in Natrasilen, like in Shushan, the the biathlon yeah. race course. Yep. We had some intervals we wanted to get done, and so I was up there at seven thirty, and it was a zoo at seven thirty. At seven thirty, so it's like it's like Norwegians are really hurting for the for the good for that good good. But it was great, perfect conditions. But yeah, there's that's all okay. there is, man. That's all there is. That's all there is around here. Lillehammer starting I'm to sorry. put. Up, starting to put out some snow but just like 2k and i i love running so much that like it i don't care i don't i'll just go for a run and that, but backcountry skiing that's what sucks it's like oh I, dude i have mm, I, it's I, been so I, good here i don't say it don't Sorry. say it. i have exams i have exams that are finishing up here in two weeks and it's like i need to go backcountry skiing the second my exams are over uh for a couple of days and like don't do this to me like come on you know like just give me something because i'm going um even if i but if i have to go like whatever wandering or like hiking sure. with skis on my back and do like 10 turns i will but That's i would really too. appreciate but i would really appreciate skiing some fun stuff so i'm still holding out hope you know it's norway man storms can especially on the west coast like where the where the mountains are like you know, it doesn't take much for it to drop like 60 to 60 centimeters or a meter at a time. So we'll see. Okay. All right. I'm going to cross my fingers in the meantime. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. It's been yeah, well, you just, yeah, that's good. Keep, keep ripping it for me, man. Rip it for me. Seriously, please do. <laughs> All right. Keep me in your thoughts. Keep me in your I thoughts. I will. I will. All right. Well, have a good uh, week. Sir. We'll chat. Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks All for right. the chat, Jason. This is fun. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening and please be safe out there.